12 we're in this morning, Acts chapter 12, and I'm going to preach a message I've entitled, There is Peace in Power. There is Peace in Power. And uh, you've heard the peace in strength. We talk about that militarily. If you have a strong army or military, uh, that is a, will bring peace, and I believe in that. But we're talking spiritually here. There is peace in power. And we'll see here in Acts chapter 12, the power of God on display. Let's begin reading there at verse 1 of Acts chapter 12. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he did not, he was not there to take up an offering and help them. He was going to destroy them, kill them. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four uh, quaternions, um, I can't mispronounce that word, of soldiers, and uh, to keep him, uh, in, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the doors kept the prison. And so there's no way this guy is getting away. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And apparently the guards didn't wake up either. They must have been asleep. The Lord takes care of it all. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel. But I thought it, he saw a vision. Maybe he thought he was dreaming. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which uh, opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a, a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. When he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where uh, many were gathered together praying, and praying for Peter to get out of jail. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda, and when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel, or it's a ghost. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Isn't that amazing how many times have we been astonished when we prayed and prayed and got answers, and then we're surprised. But he uh, beckoned unto them uh, with a hand to hold their peace, declared uh, unto them how the Lord had uh, brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go, show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers uh, what was become of Peter. Can you imagine? 
And when Herod had sought uh, for him and found him not, he ex examined keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down uh, from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. Well, let's have a word of prayer and just ask God to help us as we look into this passage today. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we call upon you, just praying that you give us uh, clarity of understanding as we uh, study this portion of thy word. And Lord, may we uh, glean from it what you'd have for us. So you have your way, uh, even if there's someone here that's not saved. May you speak to that heart as well. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The early days of the church, they truly did witness the power of God in an amazing way and miraculous way. Uh, back in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, we see there 3,000, over 3,000 people were saved in that one day. And then uh, we read about this in the Sunday school, Acts chapter 4 and verse 4, uh, another time, four or 5,000 were saved, and just the men. So uh, there were thousands of people were getting saved, uh, miracle after miracle. Uh, the early church was marked and by the manifest presence and the power of God. And he was on the, the, the lives of the, the people there of the, of the early church and to such a degree that it says in Acts 2.43, listen to this, it says fear came upon everyone or every soul. Fear came upon every soul. They saw the mighty power of God changing lives. And, uh, they, and for those uh, that were observing this, fear came upon them. God's power and presence, though, produced peace in the hearts of the believers. It produced harmony within the church there. Acts chapter 2, I keep referring to it. Look back there with me, if you would. Uh, look at uh, verse 42. Uh, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, again showing the, how it produced this harmony within the church. They were all studying the word of God, the doctrine of fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. And then the verse I just referred to earlier, fear came upon them, verse 44, and all that believed were together and that had all things common. And so it talks about how, uh, what took, took place in the early church there in Acts chapter 2. The people were excited. The people were busy. The people were holy. They were wanting to do, they, they couldn't get enough of God. They wanted, wanted to do more and more for God. And so God was working in his, his, his power was felt in the lives of these people in a mighty way, and, and even in the lives of the sinners. Over thousands of them were coming to Christ. And so the power of God was on display, and the church was growing. God was glorified. Jesus was being preached to sinners. And, uh, of course, the sinners were being saved. And it was a great time to be a part of the local church. But, not everybody was happy. Not everybody was pleased with what was going on. And the Jews hated the early church. Why? Because the church said that Jesus Christ was and is the Messiah, and they hated them for that. Not only that, the church said that Jesus had been killed by the Jews. And that didn't go over too well. But most amazing of all, they even claimed that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And that was the final straw that they could not handle. And they began to uh, go crazy and want to kill all the followers of Jesus Christ. So the Jews hated the message of the gospel. And with so many Jews turning from Judaism to follow Jesus, uh, they were losing their power. 
And uh, so they were uh, very upset about all of this. And uh, Acts chapter 9, it talks, in fact, chapter 19, verse 9, verse 23, chapter 24, verse 22, it talks about the changes that was happening in people's lives, and it calls it this, that way, that they went to follow that way. They had forsaken their old religion, uh, their Jewish rituals, and were following Jesus, uh, referred to as that way. And it wasn't long before the church came under fire from all the enemies that it was making. Again, they weren't doing anything to harm anyone. They weren't doing anything illegal. But these religious leaders wanted nothing to do with it, and mainly because they were losing their power structure. They were losing uh, control, and they were not going to sit by idly and watch it happen. And so this, uh, they, they didn't work out. You know, they, they arrested Stephen. Uh, we also read that in Sunday school hour. And they uh, uh, tried to silence him. They stoned him to death. They, they silenced him as far as on this earth. But it was like trying to put out a wildfire in a dry field. The, they stomped that fire here, and all of a sudden, there's a firebrand there and fire over there, and you have fires everywhere before you know it. And that's the way it was with this early church. These religious leaders hated them, and they tried to destroy them. They killed Stephen. But it, again, like a wildfire, people were popping up everywhere, getting saved, and churches started, and and so it didn't work. The arresting Stephen, that didn't work. They, they stoned him, that didn't work. Uh, the church continued to grow. And so it failed to, uh, they failed to achieve their desires by uh, killing Stephen, by uh, uh, doing these things to silence them. So the Jews continued their efforts to, to try to stop what was going on here. By the way, let me just insert this. No man can stop what God is going to do. If Look, I don't care if a man is in prison. Even there, the Spirit of God can move freely, and a soul can be saved, and there's nothing man can do about it. God's will is going to be accomplished. I don't care what the climate, uh, uh, whatever they are called, those crying climate change and global warming and Al Gore and all the rest of the clowns, but... It matters not what they say. This world is not going to end up how they think it is, but it's going to end up exactly as God says it is. And the one, they, they ought to be more fearful of a holy God than of changing temperatures. Temperatures have been changing all uh, since the world has uh, been created. I should say since the fall uh, of man. And But we're not going to get on that here this morning, but... They, uh, they begin to lose all these people. They stoned Stephen. They, they, now they hired some, or you could say hired guns, right? They, the, uh, Paul or Saul, as he was known then. This guy was educated. This guy was a religious leader. This guy, there's no one. He was intimidating. And he went out and he arrested and he killed. He had other Christians killed. And uh, Saul of Tarsus. But what happened to Saul? He got saved. Amen. So here's the enemy, the guy they hired to kill all these Christians, to silence this, to stop this movement, the followers of Jesus. And he gets saved on the road to Damascus. And so the Jews continued to try uh, whatever they could. They persecuted the saints, and, and uh, a lot of members of the church were scattered to the four winds of the earth. That was also God's plan. 
God wanted them to go out into the world and to reach the lost, to plant churches. And, and so the church continued to grow. The church continued to prosper no matter what they tried. Man, they did some awful things. They fed uh, uh, threw uh, Christians out among the lions, allow, allowed them to devour them. They uh, killed them left and right. Uh, horrible things, torture. But still, they grow. the church grew. And so that brings us here in Acts chapter 12. Herod, he's now he's seeking curry or favor with the Jews, and so he uh, arrests James and has him executed. And so when he saw, boy, that, that made the Jews happy. So he thought, well, I'm going to arrest Peter, keep this up, uh, get some more votes that way. I don't know if he's more interested about votes, but support. He was a politician. And he, so he, what did he arrest Peter for? He wanted to kill him. He had every intention to do that. And so this passage opens up with the Apostle James dead and the Apostle Peter arrested in prison. And through no fault of his own. And, uh, but he was living right. He was walking with God. He was preaching the gospel. He was doing the best he could have ever done by walking with God and uh, honoring the Lord. But still, trouble came his way. Let me also just give you a little freebie insert here as well with that in mind. Here was a man of God walking with God, preaching the word of God, living the way to the best of his ability he could, the way that God wanted him to do filled with the Spirit of God, and yet troubles came. He was arrested, thrown in prison. Friend, you and I are not exempt. You can Don't think that you, you can use the, I'm walking with God, I'm doing the right thing, therefore I'm shielded from any problems. No. Um, I, I think that message Brother Hart preached, by the way, you ought to listen to some of those messages if you didn't hear them all. But when he he uh, preached about that trial, that trouble that you're going through. It may not be just for you. It may be for those around you that they can see your faith in God. They can see the power of God work. And so don't think, don't, don't, don't be tempted. Uh, you'll be tempted to think that, you know, God has forsaken you. And you'll be thinking, well, if God did this, then I'm going to quit on him. No, don't do that. Because God has never promised us that everything was going to be smooth sailing. In fact, it was just the opposite. He promised that we'll go through some persecution, some trials. And uh, just ask Job. Here, Job, was a, Job was a man of God. He was doing right. His family was a, 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 a testimony to the world around them. But look at the trials he went through. And it's over and over. Trials mark the lives of David, Paul, Elijah, even Jesus Christ. So if he went through trials and troubles and persecution. Do we think we're any better? Of course not. Uh, in fact, what did they say about, what did Isaiah say about Jesus? He was a man of what? Sorrow. He was a man of sorrow. He, he was known by the troubles in his life. If Jesus suffered, then yes, we are going to experience those things. So don't be looking at others saying, oh, I knew if that would happen to them because they must have really done something bad. No. Uh, yeah, you know, they, they could be walking with God, living for the Lord, doing everything right. Maybe God wants to use us for his glory, and he does. But every person who comes into this world is going to experience trials and troubles. Uh, just because you go to church doesn't make you exempt from that. Listen, um, 
Job chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. In Job 14, 1, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And so those people who live for the Lord are going to have trials as well. John chapter 16, verse 33, These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace, Jesus said. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus said, I overcome the world. And so, amen. There's the difference. You and I may go through, and we will. We'll have trials. We'll have troubles that come our way. But God is with us. And we do it, Asaph did in Psalm 73. Go into the house of God. Stay close to God. Then you will be reminded of the end of those without God is hell. And then you will also be reminded of what you have because you're a child of God. Well, 2 Timothy 3.2, or 3.12, excuse me, it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So Peter discovered this. Doing right, he was preaching, he was filled with the Spirit of God, and thrown in prison. And, and, uh, but it was in that prison that Peter experienced the power of God in a miraculous way, a wonderful way, and in more than one way. And so I, I want to look there at that experience that Peter had and, and kind of relate it with us. As we go through life, as we face some downhill or valley experiences in our life, those uh, midnight hour experiences, that we'll be uh, reminded that it's in those times where we, we can really see the power of God manifested. And we need to hear that because those times will come. Number one, God's power calms. If, if you have a great big dog outside your house, it gives you a little bit of security. Because you know, if anybody comes wandering there planning on doing something, they're, they're going to have to deal with that dog. And so that dog, because of its, it, now my dog, it loves people. I mean, it'll might knock you over just trying to love you, but, uh, but he can be intimidating. He weighs over 100 pounds. He's just the way he looks. He's a German shepherd. And the appearance of those dogs can be intimidating. But that gives you a sense of security. Brother Seth Meyers there in South Africa, they got those German shepherds uh, because they did have a lot of, they have to deal with a lot of crime there. And uh, those people are afraid of those dogs. And that's good. That gives you a, 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 a calm feeling, knowing that there's, or if, if you're in an area and you have armed guards around you, hey, I feel pretty safe here. When we were in Israel, we had a lot of armed guards around us. They weren't guarding us specifically, though they were. They were military, had all these automatic weapons and all over. I, didn't, I wasn't afraid of that. In fact, I felt quite at peace. I was calm because of that. I knew if anything got out of hand, there was a situation that got out of hand. Guy with a knife wasn't around us. It was just a day, I think, or so before we were there. And they took the guy down right there. It didn't last long. There, nobody was hurt except that guy. And uh, so that gives you a calm feeling. Power. God's power calms us to know that we are in his hands. To know that all the power of heaven is at our resource, that nobody can get to us unless they go through him, hey, how much more peace can we have? And it brings calmness to our heart. Real life peace in the darkest hours 
Peter's scheduled to be tried, and it's a kangaroo court. He wasn't, the trial meant nothing. He was going to be executed. That's what the intent, just like they did James. This was going to happen the very next morning. Now, what would happen if you were arrested, thrown into prison, and said, tomorrow, we're going to have a quick trial. Get that out of the way so we can execute you. That's pretty much what they were doing. We're going to execute you tomorrow. You're going to hang from your neck, or in this case, maybe get your head removed from your shoulders. And I don't know, but that probably wouldn't give you a very good night to sleep. But I want you to notice Peter here. Scheduled to be tried, executed, the very next morning. And what is he doing? He's sound asleep. He's chained between two guards. He's through several gates into the inner prison. And, and yet, Peter, you're going to die tomorrow. He's sound asleep. Boy, the power. Why? Because he knew the power of God. Hey, prison wasn't a new experience for Peter. He'd been there before, and God brought him out. And so he knew God could do this. And he isn't, he isn't there uh, praying for deliverance. He isn't there writing his last will and testament. He isn't crying and screaming and begging for mercy. He's sleeping like a baby. And, and folks, you know that goes in our lives. We can't have that same peace and calmness. You may not be, you know, thankfully not going to be executed tomorrow although we don't know if our life may end tomorrow, but you can have that kind of peace. Whereas, you know, sometimes so many things get on our mind and it's racing and we're, we're anxious, we're, we're worried, we can't sleep. But we need to turn it over to God and get that calmness because God is all-powerful. He's got your back. He's not only got your back, he's, he's under you. If you fall, he'll catch you. He's over you. He's watching over you. He's on the side. He's everywhere. You can't go anywhere where God is not. And so uh, Peter is sound asleep. He's, he slept through the angel coming through the gates. Can you imagine? I know God could have kept those gates from squeaking, but I'm sure every one of them had a lot of noise just opening them and those old iron gates. And uh, yet Peter still sleeps on. And in fact, the angel had to go kick him. Said he had to hit him, wake him up. Wake up, Peter. He's so content and sound asleep that the angel had to physically shake him to wake him up, hit him. There it says in verse 7. And he, uh, again, may be chained between sol two soldiers, but he's sound asleep without a care in the world. And God has given Peter that peace that passes all understanding. Now, this wasn't, again, the first time. Acts chapter 5, he was in prison, freed by an angel there. And uh, maybe Peter believed that, you know, God will come through again this time. And he could possibly have. Um, if you're saved, think about this. As a Christian, you have already been delivered. There is no power in the universe that can take your soul out of the hands of God. You're saved. You've been born again. You have everlasting life. You shall never perish. And as it says, neither shall any man pluck you, the Lord says, out of my hand. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has you in their hands, and you cannot get out. But thank God, how much of a greater peace should we have knowing that? No matter what happens tomorrow, I know that, and therefore I have peace because of the power of God. God has, look, he doesn't want us to live in panic and fear and, and uh, uh 
in those, but that's what happens too often, isn't it? Things come our way. What trouble or trial is not unexpected? Now, we don't know it's going to happen until it happens. I mean, you get that call or, or your doctor talks to you right there, and you find out, wham, it's, it's there. And so you, we're not even warned, but you know it's, there are things that are going to happen like that, but you can know this, that um, God can give you that peace that passes all understanding in the midst of that storm, that trial. God has a better plan. He desires to give you and I peace rather than fear, rather than panic. What an opportunity, for it's in those experiences of life that your friends, that your loved ones can see that what you're talked about, you're talking about a relationship with Christ, is not just talk, but it's real. And they will see how you respond to those things that happen in life. John 14, 27, peace, Jesus said, I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Philippians 4, I love these verses here too. He says, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything is what he's saying here. But in everything by prayer and supplication. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, do you have that kind of peace? Now I know there may be physical things that, that torment our bodies that, that keeps us from sleeping that's understandable i also know well i don't i don't don't claim to understand it all but there is such a thing as uh clinical depression i i know that that's real but i also know this that no matter what we're facing god wants to give us that peace that passes all understanding do you have that kind of peace knowing the power of god how he has saved our souls how our name has been written down in glory, then that ought to give us a peace that any problems we face, that's a piece of cake for God. If he can save my soul and give me everlasting life, he can do anything, and he can. So real life peace experiences, um, there's a lot of them seen in the word of God, uh, the brand of peace that's on display there in the word of God. People that were facing awful situations, like those three young Hebrew men uh, there in Babylonian, uh, Babylon. And uh, there they were told to bow down before this image and worship, and they would not. They said, God's the only God. We're not bowing. We're not bending. We're not compromising at all. And uh, you know the story. They were thrown in that fiery furnace. Now, there was no assurance because even in their own testimony, they said, well, if the Lord, does, the Lord is able to deliver us, and I'm paraphrasing here, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to this image. We're still not going to give in here. We're going to honor God. And they were thrown in that fiery furnace, but there was a fourth one in there with them. Oh, the peace that they had. They didn't go in there screaming and crying and hollering. And, and when the Nebuchadnezzar, or, uh, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar saw them in there, he said, wait a minute. Didn't we put three in there? And now I see four. And not only that, they're all loose. And they're walking around. They're not frantically like a chicken with their head cut off running around in circles. They're calm. They're at peace. I also think about Daniel. Boy, Daniel had that peace, didn't he? Thrown in the lion's den. Now, this is amazing. These lions would be starved to the point of death sometimes just so that when they threw their, 
the, the ones facing that judgment in, they would devour, sometimes their bodies would be almost tore apart before it hit the ground. And so they throw Daniel in there, and all night long, Daniel has a lion for a pillow sleeping. That thing's probably purring, and he had no care at all. The king had to wake him up. Oh, Daniel, <laughs> is everything all right? Yeah, king, it's fine. Daniel knew that peace. Job had it through all those trials. He had no answer. He had no, God did not tell him what was going on, but he honored God. You and I can also have that. Thank God for his peace that passes all understanding. And then God's power, not only does it calm, it comforts. Nothing can stop the presence of God. Peter lay there in that prison sleeping. The angel of the Lord came in uh, in that cell without any problems at all. The bars, the locks, the gates, the guards, the walls, they proved to be no barrier at all for the Lord. No matter what you are dealing with, nothing can stop the power of God. What comfort is there in that, to know that? So he, he meant to come to Peter, and nothing was going to stop him from doing that. So know, you know, if you read God's word, and as you see the things that God has promised you, know that nothing can stop that from happening. God's power is unstoppable. And then with God, we are never alone. You'll find yourself in a, maybe in a place of despair, a place of trial, and, and, uh, but we don't have to fear one thing. We don't have to fear being alone. You're never alone. It is always a comfort, isn't it, when you're, when you're down, when something's happened, maybe you're injured, to know that there's someone there that's going to care for you. I remember when I was in that explosion and I uh, was taken to the hospital, I couldn't see. I uh, was totally dependent upon those nurses for my very life. But it was a, a, a peace to me knowing that they were, were going to care for me. They were going to take care of everything. I couldn't even pick up a glass of water or anything. And they, they cared. And then it was also a great assurance and a peace to hear some of my loved ones come in. My mother, she, at that time she had some surgery done on her foot. You could hear her clopping down the hall. I could hear her way before she got there. And, but to know that she was there. To know that my pastor was praying, to know that the people in the church were come, some came to visit. What a blessing that is to have those individuals. But folks, I also knew this. God was with me. I was never alone. Even in those midnight hours when everybody had to be gone, the visiting hours were over. And and it was dark. And it you seemed like it's just, just you and the four walls around you. But God was there. God is always there, and Peter knew that, and so did all these other individuals as well. With God, we're never alone. Our, our, our Lord promised us that he would ever be with us. Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. John 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless. He said, I, I will uh, come to you. He left us with the Holy Spirit there, and um, he has never forsaken his people. I love this verse that the psalmist says, I have never or excuse me, I have been young and now I'm old. That, that uh, describes a lot of us here, doesn't it? I have been young, now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He said God always takes care of his own. And Matthew 6, also talks about that. We put him first. He, he'll supply all we need. So 
when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were thrown in that fiery furnace, they weren't alone. We already talked about that. They found Jesus was already there. When Daniel went into that lion's den, he found the Lord was already there, had everything under control. When Paul was on that ship, you remember in Acts chapter 27, the storm was raging so bad that the, this uh, professional crew, they began to, they were afraid. They were throwing everything overboard, trying to lighten the ship, trying to control the ship. They could not. But Paul, he stands up and um, he says, uh, there stood by me this night the angel of God. I'm not afraid. I'm not wor worried about this. God's got everything under control. He's here with us. No matter where the path of your life leads you, you will never go there alone. So the Lord will be with you. Then let me get to this point here. God's power provides. It provides. Um, in uh, verse 7 and through 11 here, um, supernatural power. We see it happen in Acts chapter 12. God moved in, in might. God moved in a supernatural power to deliver his servants from that inner prison. And uh, chains fell off, doors opened, and uh, opened by themselves. Uh, you know, people today thought they invented that uh, automatic door. No, God did that a long time ago. And, uh, but they were delivered. He, or he was delivered. It is an unstoppable power that God has. God will use whatever means is necessary to care for you uh, in that trial. In fact, God will move heaven and earth if necessary in order to meet your needs. And in fact, it, uh, a God that gave his only begotten son, yes, he did. He gave everything. He did move heaven and earth. And then it's a proven power. Again, seen through uh, all, the, all the pages of God. Uh, it's been proven. Elijah being fed by the ravens and having water when everything else was dead and gone. The widow uh, there and her meal and oil being supplied over and over again, never running out. The three Hebrews, again, we talked about them already a couple times, but again, that power was proven there. Daniel and the lions, then the children of Israel uh, crossing the Red Sea, the children of Israel being fed for 40 years, the manna in the wilderness, and the water coming from the rock. And uh, Think about this, the shoes, their, their shoes, their clothes for 40 years. I might have something in my closet 40 years old, but it didn't, it didn't last like uh, this did. Their shoes did not wear, their clothes did not wear for 40 years. But um, uh, so the disciples in the storm, they were not alone. Jesus was there with them. He took care of things, and it's a proven power. He spoke, peace be still, and the wind stopped, the sea calmed, and, and everything obeyed his voice. Then the uh, hungry multitudes that came uh, during lunchtime, there was nothing to eat. The Lord Jesus provided uh, food for them. Mary and Martha and Lazarus there in, in uh, John chapter 11, uh, where Jesus uh, uh, comforted these two sisters who pretty much blamed Jesus. Jesus, if you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. My brother wouldn't have died. And he reminded them that he is the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in him, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And so what peace, what a promise that God has given us. You read Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 on through the remainder of that chapter, um, but it talks about how God even takes care of the sparrows, the, the animals in creation, and how he will definitely is more concerned for us and will care for us. So God's power 
is unstoppable. His power also confirms, and I'll close with this thought, we're done. God's power, it gives us purpose. It confirms that we can trust God. If God can part the Red Sea, if he can feed all millions of, of Jews in the wilderness with manna, if, if he can uh, kill Goliath the giant, if he can do all of these wonders and miracles, God uh, is, is, we can trust him to do what he says he's going to do tomorrow and into the future. The Lord used this experience to teach Peter, and not only Peter, but the members of the church there as well, the early church, that you can trust God. Place your trust in him. When all else seems to be, there's no way out of the situation, there's no answer, trust God. Leave the matter in his hands. Um, the, the people could not have delivered Peter. They couldn't have stormed that prison and secured his release. Never would have happened. They uh, did what they could, and that, we have to give them credit there. They prayed. How often have you said this? I'm guilty. I can't, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do anything but pray. Well, wait a minute. That's the, one of the greatest things we can do is pray. And we need to learn that. Just trust God. You and I, we don't always have the answers. We are not able to do uh, the things that we may desire to do, but God, he is able to do anything and everything. Trust him. Go to God in prayer. So it confirms that we can trust him. It can, confirms his purpose. As we pass through this life, we move through our various trials and troubles and, and temptations. Um, we may not understand always the purpose of it uh, behind all that we face. And that's why verses like Romans 8, 28 is, is there in the word of God. That all things will work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 18, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So it confirms God's purpose. Again, there we're reminded that even in those trials, though our life might be ended here, God has a plan, a purpose for us. He's not going to forsake us. It confirms that he has that plan. He is working in our lives. Uh, that power, seeing the power of God on display reminds us that God is at work. And um, um, why does the Lord allow things into our lives? Again, I can't always answer that. I don't know the answer to all of the whys that you may have here this morning. But God has a purpose for every experience that he allowed you and I to pass through. There's a purpose, a reason. It may be, the purpose may be to grow you. It may be, as Brother Hart talked about the other night, it may be to help someone else. It may be to simply glorify the Lord, but he has a plan. Uh, think about the situation here. You know, notice that Herod received the praise of men. He refused to glorify the Lord. And what happened to him? Later on in the passage there, verse 24, God kills him. Dies an awful death. Uh, so are you willing this morning to submit to his purpose even though you may not understand it are you facing some trial today some hardship are you in a place where you need to see the lord as he did in peter's case kind of flex his muscles a little bit to move in a miraculous way demonstrate his power in your life 
I, I, I guess what I'm invite, inviting you to do today is just take it to the Lord. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Maybe you need to come to the altar. And that al- the altar this morning will be open for you to do that. But take it, just know you can trust him. Know that he's in control and trust him. Let's have every head bowed.